Commonwealth Stories speaks to people from a host of nations, from Africa to Asia, from North America to the Caribbean. You'll hear the stories and thoughts of people from all walks of life, all with one thing in common. They have all found a home in Birmingham. So what does the Commonwealth mean to us now? How has it shaped the Birmingham we know today? And what lasting legacy do we hope the games coming to the city of Birmingham will leave? The Commonwealth Stories podcast is available on all your favourite platforms. To keep up to date with the series and hear the latest episodes, make sure to follow and subscribe. For many South Asian women, cultural barriers have made it difficult to get involved in sport. But in this episode of the Commonwealth Stories podcast, we'll hear from the inspirational women who have worked tirelessly to defy these stereotypes and have paved the way in making sport accessible to all. Our first guest, Mina Bibi, is a Bangladeshi cycling coordinator at Birmingham's Sati House, a community organization based in Aston, which aims to support and champion migrant communities. Some of the women, like from, you know, like back home, Bangladesh, Pakistan, they said we never had the opportunity to ride a bike because when we were growing up, we were taught that these people that can only ride a bike were men. The stigma around that is changing and families are changing and they want, they rather have their children do something that they enjoy doing. And every single one of you, we're all important in all our own ways. We all have something special in us. In this episode, you'll also hear from cricket coach, umpire, nurse, mum of four, and all-round superhuman, Salma B. I love giving back to the community because this was all about grassroots level, supporting these girls, reminding them I'm an Asian coach, I'm a female coach. Even parents would look back and think, oh, that's an Asian girl and she's a coach and it's not something that they would have expected. And I think that helps to bring a lot of the younger girls to come forward and feel comfortable. This is Commonwealth Stories by Birmingham Life. Mina Bibi works with South Asian women, encouraging them to get on a push bike and become confident on two wheels, something many of them are doing for the first time in their life. With her family coming over to the UK from Bangladesh, Mina has experienced firsthand the cultural stigma women face when it comes to getting involved in sport and fitness. Birmingham Live's Anissa Vasta sat down with Mina at Sati House in Aston to find out all about her cycling course. What is your role at Sati House? So my first role as a cycling coordinator, um, I'm actually teaching women to learn bikes. So they're all like first-timers. They've never um driven a bike or, you know, ride a bike, you know, so it's their first time. So I'm teaching them also at the same time, I'm building up their confidence because I'm sure you all know, like, Muslim women with hijabs, you know, the stigma around, you know, riding a bike. So um, at the beginning, it was really hard for me to get, in, you know, engage these women in this, you know, kind of activities. But um, I've done, I think I've done quite well um, with the, um, like, advertising and getting people to come in and take it up as an activity. So I've got 23 women now that are actually doing the cycling activity. That's once a week, every Wednesday morning from 9.30 to 11.30. And they're all beginners. And my second role here as an office um, coordinator will be obviously managing staff, um, um, managing basically the building and things like that. 
So if I, if I asked you, what does Sarthi House mean to you? What does it mean? I'm originally from Coventry, but although I was living in Coventry, I knew a lot about Sati House. So I've always um, had a really passion of Sati House because the kind of work that they used to do. My sister and two of my cousins, they used to come to Sati House when they were young and they did a lot of work with the Sati House um, ladies that um, used to work here before. And um, I used to bring my sister because my sister also, she lacks in confidence. She didn't come into the country until the 1980s. Um, as soon as she come here, um, she got married. Um, she had her children. She was quite new to Birmingham. She was quite new to the whole country. So she really needed that extra support. So because she was living in Birmingham, I used to come like over the weekends and like try to find out what's local for her, what be local for her. And like after she was dropping off the kids to school, what can she do? Because she was just getting isolated at home and she was also suffering from depression. So I started coming out with her and things and then finding out what the local area were provided for women. So this is how I knew about Sati House, like from then, from days. And then it's like other people that I knew, my relatives and also my friends um, from Birmingham, I used to always say, go to Sati House, they help with this, they help with that. You know, they take you out to trips, you know, you'll build up your confidence and volunteering opportunities as well. And I know there's about two or three women that are very close to me um, that started off as volunteers at Sati House and are like professionals, like working higher, like one of them, she works in an engineer company. Um, another one, she's a manager of, so I can't obviously mention the names, but, you know, she's high, quite high up. But she, but she, they, both of these ladies, they started up like, you know, as volunteers at Sati House. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, even myself, it's like um, I was made redundant um, two years ago. And um, due to lockdown and COVID, um, I was finding it very difficult to find myself another job. And then one day, um, <laughs> uh, just after midday, I had a phone call from the chair and she asked me, she goes, um, are you doing anything? But because I've heard that you've made redundant. Um, I wanted to offer you a job. Um, I said, no, I'm actually looking for work, but at the moment I'm not actually um, not being able to um, be successful um, due to COVID and things like that. And she goes, I know. She goes, it's not many hours. She goes, before I go any further, it's not many hours, but it's a kickstart for you. So once you start, you know, I'm sure there'll be more opportunities for you. She said, um, it's a cycling co um, coordinator project. So the first thing I said to her, oh, okay, um, I don't know how to ride a bike. <laughs> then she said to me, don't worry, you know, we're going to get all the training and everything provided for you. And I go, yeah, that's fine. If that's all in place, then that's fine. So here I am. So I started um, training up as a um, cycling, doing my own cycling training and everything. And then um, I was here. But due to COVID, I wasn't able to um, bring the ladies into the centre. So what I started to do was take them out for a walk in, at Naston Park, the local park. So I started like a walking into cycling club. I started off with a few women that I actually knew that um, actually were um, already were part of Sati House. So what happened after that, there was only six of them and then it went around word of mouth. So these, these six ladies, they brought other ladies to the centre and that's how we got out, like word of mouth and, you know, and here we are today. That's amazing. Mm. Um, and obviously, like, it's a it's a community of women now who the, that's right, sort of yeah. confide in yeah. each other and, and yeah. really sort of give each other sort of encouragement to, to do better. better. And, 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 and empowering them yeah, as well. And exactly. that stigma around, you know, hijab woman, you know, you know, learning how to ride a bike and in the parks and things like that, you know, how it is. I'm trying to change that. And I think um, a lot of women have actually 
um, encouraging other women as well to come and take part. And they really, when they come once, they're so excited. They're really excited because some of the women, like from you know, like back home, Bangladesh, Pakistan, they said we never had the opportunity to ride a bike because when we were growing up, we were taught that these uh, people that can only ride a bike were men. You know how we, when we go for an exam and we passed our passed our test, it's like that for them because they're in a competition and they know that they're going to be able to succeed and pass. Yeah, the Commonwealth Games. Um, I think it's, it's it's a really good thing because um, again with the Olympic Games and everything, um, the stigma around like you know the different activities that are going to take part. Some of the ladies that were saying to me, "Oh, isn't it just for men?" And I go, no, this is for everybody. It's not just something for men. It's for everybody. You know, this is the opportunity where everybody's going to be able to go and take part. And every single one of you, are in, all, we're all important in all our own ways. We all have something special in us. So um, I think um, the Commonwealth, especially, is, you know, being right outside our front door and in the heart of Birmingham, you know, it's an opportunity I don't think, you know, every, every, anyone in Birmingham should miss. Do you feel like being from a Commonwealth country... Does that make any difference in how your how your how your experience is? Even then, like when we were growing up in in them days, like I came from a quiet street background, and I wasn't allowed to do certain things that boys would do. You know, like I was um, I was quite good at PE at school, but I wasn't able to play cricket. I wasn't able to do. I was really good at basketball. I wasn't able to play basketball because my dad used to say to me, "No, only boys do these kind of things. Girls are not allowed." So all of that has now changed. Where me myself. I encourage my daughters to do what they want. Like my daughter, she really likes football. So she's actually at the school. They've got a football team and she takes part every Saturday, she, you know, at one of the local schools. And she loves it. And I'm not going to ever say to her, no, it's just, you know, you're not allowed because this is only for boys. Because all this has changed now. And I think the, um, even our generation and um, the people around, the stigma around that is changing and families are changing and they want, They'd rather have their children do something that they enjoy doing. As the Commonwealth Games come to Birmingham, many women from countries like Bangladesh, India and Pakistan are excited to see what it will bring to their communities. Mina and the team at Sati House will be working with the ladies to celebrate the Games and give them a chance to feel part of something special in their community. During the 1970s and 80s, Many migrant families from Bangladesh, Pakistan and India settled in Birmingham. Our next guest is a product of that history. Like many other Commonwealth citizens, Salma B's family came to England with hopes of good work, education and a better future. But they sadly encountered many of the same difficulties faced by other Commonwealth migrants who arrived in Birmingham at the time. It was her love of sport which helped her find a home here in Birmingham and go on to pave the way for many other women in the city. Salma B was the first British Muslim woman to play county cricket, representing both Worcestershire and Northampton. She was also one of the sport's first ever South Asian female umpires. Born in Pakistan, Salma now juggles cricket umpiring with coaching, fundraising, working full-time as a nurse, and raising her four children. You may even recognize her from a colorful mural on Birmingham City's Navigation Street. Salma B and her family settled in Bordsley Green, mainly due to its vibrant South Asian community. But coming from a small town in Pakistan to a bustling city like Birmingham is not as easy as it seems. Anissa Vasta joined Salma via a remote video call to find out more. 
so I'm just going to kind of start from the beginning, really. I think that's kind of the best way to, to, to start. Born in Pakistan, you came to you came to the UK. What was that experience like for you? Very different, you know, something that you've got to adapt to. I came from a working family. Um, my dad, I remember, was working. He was already in this country before we even arrived here. So after many years of him doing a lot of labour work, then he helped to help us to come over and migrate here. Um, yeah, I remember we were all a young family. I was with my brothers, with my mom. We're just learning and adapting to this the different um, environment. I just knew that, okay, it's just something that you got to fit in and you've got to learn from it. And uh, as you grew up, then we were sent to different schools. I was sent to a girls' school, so something different from my brothers, even though we spent a lot of time together as siblings. Yeah, and I just always had this inside me to know that, okay, this is an opportunity that's given to us. It's not being handed out on a plate. And I've watched my dad work really hard. I've seen my mum settle in a country where... English was not her first language and we were going to change that in the household where we're going to make the most of the opportunities that we have around us and with the education that's given in this country we were going to do something with us and I don't think at the same time my dad was too keen on his all of his kids to work hard in education or go as far as university so it was something that was a learning curve because we were part of a generation where parents were really scared of having kids go out, spend longer hours outside the household or adapt and be in a mixed environment. So it was a big change for my dad. And I think um, with the society, they need to realise that they helped us to come to this country and we were going to mix with other people. And it wasn't going to be only the Pakistani Muslim minority so we were going to have to learn from different people so with when the culture take was uh, coming into the household I think my dad had to sort of take a step back and realize that actually my kids want to do a bit more than what we've done and it was out of their comfort zone but alhamdulillah I remember this when I did apply for university I didn't even tell him the night before I spoke to my parents and I said, well, I've got a place at university. I passed my college and I was the first to go to university because my elder siblings, the two, they didn't go to university. And my, I remember my older sister, she had to settle down at a very young age and she got married. So it's something that I, I just didn't look at in a, in the same way. And I thought, no, I want to make the most of my life. And when I did apply, I did say to my dad, you're going to drop me off and you can go and see um, the accommodation yourself. And if you are happy with where I'm going to study, then please give me this chance because I want to prove it to all my family and I want to bring opportunities for my family. And I think that had to change a lot in the household. Once he did adapt to it, it was it was great because he was always worried about what people would say. And I think over time, when you do really well and when you bring that education back into the household, I was supporting my parents uh, with sorting out appointments and bills and everything of the other. They realised actually, yes, education is so important. And that helped to open doorways for my younger siblings that came forward. And now I have a younger sister who is a teacher at a grammar school. I have a brother who's an accountant. And it's it's good to see that my parents are proud of us. From where in Pakistan did you um, come from and where did you settle in, in, in Birmingham? We lived in uh, Azad Kashmir. 
that's where we live and it's a place called Ankur. Um, it's a, a village. We have, it's my dad and his two brothers. They live all together. So we're a big extended family. And then we've had all the cousins that were living there. My mom, who passed away when I was nine at a young age, uh, she lived there with her cousin sisters as well. So she came and she spent a bit of time here, but it, it was quite unfortunate when my mum passed away and then we moved to Birmingham and we've been in um, the areas of Saltley and Borsley Green most of our lives so it's just a place where my dad found and I think it was easier for him to settle down. It was a place where a lot of the Asian culture were all fitting in and all settling down so he's made a lot of friends around those areas. Myself now I, I didn't move too far away from my family either now that I have my own family so it's nice. By profession, you're a nurse, actually. So, you know, how did you get into the nursing profession? I know you went into university. You know, what made you choose nursing as a, as a career? Yeah, like I mentioned, when my mom passed away at a young age, I always looked back and for a time, my family kept it quiet about how mom passed away. And I was always curious about what happened to my mom because there, there must have been an underlying cause. And I think I remember looking at her death certificate at one point and it was uh, fibroids. It was a gynecologist uh, issue. And I thought, OK, I just remember having that feeling inside me saying, if I was capable of doing something and if I had these skills, maybe I could have saved my mom. I think from there, I realised I would like to give back to the community. I would like to do something that probably, if my mum saw me now, she'd be proud. And 13 years on, I'm a dialysis nurse. I've loved every minute of it. I've only just been uh, promoted as a sister. So I'm looking forward to that new role as a challenge, educating younger nurses, student nurses, student medical doctors. So it's brilliant to know that okay I've made something in my life and I think when I do look at other older ladies and I look after them I treat them like my family my my, my mother and when they realize that oh my mom passed away and this is the reason why you're in this profession it's inspiring and they actually realize that actually you know these girls are here in this by choice and they love every minute of it so yes I'm proud to be part of the NHS when I come home in my uniform, my kids see me to know mom and dad both work. They've got good professions. They wear uniforms. And it's something that for your kids to learn from as well, to know that education takes you a long way. And I've appreciated every minute of it. In the 1700s, the British brought cricket over to Asia and the Caribbean. It rapidly spread amongst the masses and is now one of the most widely loved sports on the continent. For Salma, her love for the sport runs deep through her veins. Salma tells us how her love for the game has helped her battle and overcome cultural barriers, racism and criticism, and how her determination to succeed has now paved a way and set an example for future generations of women in sport. Where did your passion for, uh, for cricket come? So, you know, where, did, where did that come from? That was always in my blood. I think uh, when you come from an Asian background, you have your siblings around you, the boys. My dad, he was a judo wrestler at the same time and he was a weightlifter. So we used to watch him play a lot of sports and then my dad used to play his videos. And we, we just take 
learning from it to know that he was quite a tough man. He was quite, he was into being challenged and it was something that was built in us. And when we used to watch these cricket games and they would be live and you, you would think, wow, you know, the buzz of it, of playing cricket and everyone's watching Pakistan play the World Cup. It was nice. You would see my, my stepmom would sit there and she would be praying for the Pakistan cricket team to, to win the World Cup. And we, we used to take that and play in the garden and we spent so much time in the garden. I think there was times when parents would tell us off and say, come inside now, you've got to eat. But we just had that much passion for it. It started off at my secondary school where they put me as a captain and it was a county coach that said to me, well, you need to trial for a county. I, I didn't have no idea what county cricket is. I told my parents and my parents took a step back and said, well, no, you, you're playing at home and that should be enough. You know, what? there's no women's cricket um, around. And it was quite a, a, a difficult time for my family to take grasp. And I think I had to prove it to them at the same time. It was a learning curve for me because I had no guidance. I didn't really have any female role models to look up to. I didn't know what the conditions were, what they expected me at county level. When I did go in, uh, it's a wake-up call because I didn't t have it easy. Uh, it was quite challenging. I was up against younger girls who were equipped better than me. They were sponsored. They had full kit. They had their parents sitting there watching them and supporting them. Whereas me, I'm coming along with the coach and just taking part in a game. And I'm thinking, oh my God, this is so different to what I was dreaming about at home. Yes, I played with the boys, but um, we're playing with a hardball cricket and there's more technique, there's more rules to learn from and there's more discipline. But um, I loved it. At the same time, I thought, you know, I, I've been given this chance. I'm not going to give up now. Let's see how far it takes me. And it took me places because I managed to trial for Worcestershire County. Then I played for the MCC, where it took me as far as playing at Lords, playing against Japan, playing against Hong Kong. I had the opportunity to train with the England women's team, the Pakistan women's team when they were touring. You know, these were the moments that took me places. And I realized actually sports does not always pay. Yes, my parents were quite upset initially. But when I started bringing trophies and medals home, they realized actually she's capable of doing really well. And there's something out there. I take everything positive from it. Yes, there's been times where there's a struggle and sometimes you, you wish you give up altogether because you think it was a waste of time. But when I look back and I know that 12 national awards later, then you get a Queen's Honours British Empire medal. Then I think, wow, you know what? I am so grateful to the almighty that I stuck at my guns. Even though I had so many people not supporting me and criticizing me, when I look back, that time is not going to come back now. And I've done I've done what I could and I've made the most of it and history has been made. In terms of what a criticism you may have received, you know, what what would people usually say? What would people say to that? A lot of it was that, oh, oh, girl playing cricket. Oh, I will hit you at the park for a six so we could easily uh, get you out in the garden. You're not good enough. Or who do you think you are? It was just more about girls playing cricket. It's just comments like that and you think, oh dear, you know, this is something that you got to get used to because it came a lot from the boys, not as much from the, the women itself. I mean, teammates in my county, I felt that I felt very intimidated because it was like a part where I was almost bullied 
and I felt like uh, they were talking about me and you're always worried that what are they saying? Because it, when it's on your back of your mind and it affects your mental game, you don't really perform. And if you don't perform, you're always worried that will you be selected for the next game? I was quite isolated at one point and I felt like I had no friends because you don't really spend time with your social friends. You don't go out with them. I missed out on family festivals, family functions. Even my family thought, oh, you're so committed into this sports. Where is it going to get you? And you're spending too much time traveling up and down the country. You need to stop now. You need to give up. It's not going to get you anywhere. There was a lot I had to take on board. And I think I felt like if I stop right now, then the next girl that comes through, she will give up as easily. And I think I have to set that example. I, I know what's going on now. Um, I remember the time I was playing county cricket. And when I played for Worcestershire County, there were a few personalities that I had to put up with. There were a few people that made comments um, around me, not at me. I could hear people sniggering. There were girls that would sort of say something and laugh at each other if I was to walk past them. When you come from a different background, especially from an ethnic minority, if you don't fit in, they are going to treat you very different. You're going to have to learn to become more westernised. And if you're not more westernised, then they will think that you're quite rude. You don't want to uh, sit in the pub with them. You don't want to socialise with them. You don't want to go out nights out. And I thought, well, I'm here just to play my sports. And I was struggling at that time because even though I was given the honour to play for Worcestershire County and I was this one girl that, oh, Salma's made history by being an Asian Muslim girl to play for Worcestershire County. I was being put on the bench for like good two seasons and I, I would ask, what is the problem? Why am I being subbed all the time? When will I get my game? And I think I had to prove to others around me because there were so many other girls that were a bowling spin and I had to almost compete against my own teammates to get into the side. And every time I would perform, it'd be looked at as if, oh, it's a shocker that she's taken a wicket. She shouldn't really take that wicket. It could have been somebody else. I had to take that on board that either I give up right now I mean, I was uh, being challenged with my family. My family were saying to me, well, you're wasting your time playing sports. But then I was coming out and I was wasting a whole day of not even playing. I was just there sitting to give out drinks to teammates. And I think that's when I had to realise what is actually good for me because I'm trying to prove it to my family that I'm good enough to play sports. And then at the same time where I'm going and being accepted, I'm wasting my time because they're not picking me up. And I think when I did get given the ball and the times I had the chance to perform, I did my best to get on the scorecard. I just had to prove it to them. You can't even speak up because your 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 place will be jeopardised. You might not even make it to the team next game. And do you just keep quiet then? Do you just uh, put your head down and bite your tongue and you just get on with it and adapt to whatever they want and go by their rules? But later, like a year later, when I trial for North Ants County, I walked into that team. The coach was supportive. They wanted me to play every game. I was almost, as a spin bowler, asked to open the bowling and I was taking wickets and the girls were more so supportive and really, really appreciative. They could understand that our culture is different and they saw me as a as a teammate, as a player on the pitch and not just this girl from an ethnic minority group. So I think I had to learn 
I had to learn the hard way. This learning helped me to grow because I played a bit of men's cricket just to prove that I'm good enough to play cricket. I'm grateful, you know, that today I haven't given up because I can tell that story to others. I can get girls to play sports and remind them that just because someone's closing the door on you doesn't mean that you there's no other options left. So that was me as a as a cricket player. But then I decided I did my coaching courses and my did my umpiring so I can set an example. I can set a legacy for the younger generation to follow. And that's where it turned around where I enjoyed coaching and I realised actually this is where I love giving back to the community because this was all about grassroots level, finding potential, supporting these girls, reminding them I'm an Asian coach, I'm a female coach. Even parents would look back and think, oh, that's an Asian girl and she's a coach and it's not something that they would have expected. And I think that helps to bring a lot of the younger girls to come forward and feel comfortable. Sharing her love of the sport has been an essential part of Salma's journey. In 2021, Salma was awarded the British Empire Medal for her achievements in the sport and is now a hometown hero at the Commonwealth Games. Along with her many other achievements, Salma also co-founded Sporting Pathways, an organisation helping those from ethnic minority communities to thrive in sport. Sporting Pathways is a community interest company. It was initially set up in 2012. It was set up alongside a good mate of mine, Gemma Smith, and she's also an ex-England goalkeeper. So she played a lot of uh, high-level sports herself. We got together because we used to play futsal. I I was a captain of um, a futsal team called the Great White Sharks. And believe it or not, this was the first Asian team in Birmingham in the league. So I was proud to run this team. And futsal we did as a a hobby. Even though I played cricket during the winter, I played five-a-side football. And it it helped to get my younger sisters into playing sports and the other girls, the local girls. And it was just five of us, so it was easier to set up a team every week. I just saw around us and I thought, okay, what are we doing for the community? And I think as a coach and an umpire, I had to sit down with Gemma and we decided, okay, let's do something. Let's do something different because we come in week in, week out and we're just having games and let's set up an event. And first it was initially, let's just do a futsal event because we're at the futsal arena. But setting up an event and then we looked at the continuity and I thought, okay, in the future, how are we going to deliver this every year? So when we set up the Sporting Pathways company, the idea was just to get girls into playing sports, women having fun, getting together, trying something different, taking away uh, coaching badges, taking away a new team, new friends for life. And it was just about, okay, let's get more people active. When we first initially advertised the event, we heard about an event taking place in Brazil. And the men did it. The men did like a 10-hour futsal world record. And we thought, okay, but the women haven't done it. So let us be the first. And so when we advertised, we couldn't believe how many girls signed up for it. And it was so easy just to sign these girls up. And what we offered was, you're going to come along, play 10 hours straight. You'll have subs in and out. You'll get your food and refreshments. You're going to take away kit. You're going to take away a medal, a trophy. 
certificates and you'll you'll make friends and it's two teams against each other so it was my team against Gemma's team we enjoyed it that day the feedback everybody loved every minute of it and the girls were ready to do more and it inspired us to know actually well, we're not going to stick to one sport we'll make it a multi-sports um organizations and as my uh profession of cricket i decided we did an indoor t10 cricket world cup that happened like three years in a row and i managed to also host a men's t10 cricket world cup and the feedback from the men was so amazing and inspiring because for a, a female to lead a men's uh event it was quite unheard of and the men were really supportive and they enjoyed coming along and taking part and raising funds at the same time. We've done quite a lot in the community. Girls came from all over the country, from Wales, Manchester, London. When they signed up, I mean, even till today, we have girls that are posting up uh, memories from the events, their photos, talking about the event itself, asking us, when are you doing the next one? Only just in August, I tried something different where we did all these eight indoor events we went for an outdoor event where we did parkley cricket and in the asian culture um in the community there's a lot of parkley cricket played so i decided okay let's do a women's park league event and three teams took part one team from manchester one team from um borsley green and one team from mosley and these girls were so excited they enjoyed it that they want to come back in april so we look forward to giving them more pitches and more teams to play against. So everything that we've done for the community has always come back as a success. Uh, I know it takes a lot of dedication. It's hard work with the planning, getting the right funds, getting the right sponsors. But I think I'm in a perfect position to support that because I enjoyed knowing that people are taking away something from the day. And I think that's the main and most important part of the event itself. Throughout this series, we'll be asking Brummies what the Commonwealth means to them and what their thoughts are when it comes to the games coming to the city. During her call with Anissa, Salma tells us her thoughts on the Commonwealth, the games coming to Birmingham, and what she'll be doing to encourage more young women to get involved in sport this summer. My next question kind of leads on to the Commonwealth Games and how, you know, next year it's all eyes are going to be on Birmingham and how has that sort of event impacted you, you know, as a as a female cricketer? You know, are you excited, you know, for the Games to come to Birmingham? Very excited to know at first that um, I was selected as one of the 14 hometown heroes. We're all from Birmingham. Amazing people. I've met them and I think they're doing such amazing things in their field of sports. We got together. We were invited to the Queen's Baton Relay at Buckingham Palace. We got to meet the Queen. It gave back and it made me realise, actually, I'm glad. I'm glad I didn't give up because now I'm part of such a big, big legacy that it's never, you know, it's not going to repeat again. It's a history that's been made. Hometown heroes, we are here representing our communities. We're reminding people not to give up on what you want to do, what you're passionate about. We've proved a lot of people wrong. We've done things uh, in a, in the voluntary sector and we didn't have that support initially. I mean, things are getting easier now. And with the Commonwealth Games, there's going to be a lot more support. It's going to be a busy year. The Games are going to be here. It's going to bring a lot to our country, our Birmingham, our city. 
it's going to give a lot of opportunities uh, for the younger generation. And we need this because after the pandemic, we need something that's going to change and help mentally inspire the younger generation. And I think this is where something we've always had to tackle with bullying, knife crime in the community, lack of resources, lack of jobs. Um, it's going to bring a lot of opportunities. And I'm so grateful that I could be there as one of the faces to promote the Commonwealth Games. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good because also it's going to make history with cricket being franchised uh, for the first time in the Games and especially the women's teams. So you're going to have the international teams, players turning up and playing uh, cricket at Edgbaston. Edgbaston has been my home, my second home where I've trained for a long time and I've coached. We're looking forward to running small projects to get younger girls into trying uh, cricket itself. And then hopefully the idea is to take them to one of the live games at Edgbaston and get uh, the girls that have taken part in the 100 recently to come along and deliver some masterclass sessions. So looking forward to that. I mean, it's it's going to be wonderful. And I just hope that everything goes really well. In terms of the Commonwealth itself and how your thoughts, and I can remember last time we had a conversation, you said, you know, you put a post up and there were a couple of comments, negative comments about the Commonwealth. What is your definition of the Commonwealth itself? The Commonwealth Games is about getting different colours, different people of community, of race, mixing together, embracing who they are, their culture. And it's Good to see that. And I think this is where education comes in. We need to learn more about the Commonwealth Games, why it's so important. We need to support each other and just enjoy that we're we're part of a different race and we're proud of who we are. And we should be looked at with our talent and the performances that we deliver. The criticism came from when I received my uh, British Empire medal and I think it was a few people from my own community who said well why did you accept the British Empire medal the British Empire medal uh, British Empire itself still owes us an apology for what they've done coming over to at that time when it was in India and Pakistan for what they've done and how they made trouble for us and what makes you think that you are British enough to accept a medal from them I, I didn't reply to it as much I didn't want to react to it. At the same time, it made me think to know that, okay, this is how there are people out there who still think this way, but you live in this country, You, you yet you live in this country, but you don't appreciate the resources around you. You don't appreciate the education that you've been given, the opportunities. So you don't sort of change your ways. You've not molded yourself in the way you're around you. And I think that's where we need to embrace and move forward and know that what's happened in the past is was of a different generation, of a different culture. You've got kids now coming forward and they are adapting to different rules and life. And you've got to be a bit more open about that. And as long as they're within their religious limits and they know the limitations, it's something that you still got to educate. I, I believe that when I look at my younger kids and I think they're going to watch these games they're going to see people of different colour. They've got to learn there's a lot more going on out there. There's a lot more that's been accepted now. I'm not going to 
not speak to them about it and if they want to come and speak to anyone it will have to be their parents and I think at that time when we couldn't go to our parents and have that trust and share things with us I want my kids to come and talk to me if they feel they're a different way or there's something that they want to know about or they want to learn about we want to share that with them and I think now that we we are of the new generation we understand about opportunities and accepting others around us and being more appreciative and I think that's a good thing in a way so yeah looking forward to the games next year. Both Salma and Mina want to empower South Asian women in Birmingham helping them gain confidence when it comes to sports whether it's riding a push bike for the first time or having the confidence to step out onto the crease bat in hand. These inspiring women have been paving the way for greater participation in sport for years and they hope the Commonwealth Games will inspire people to push boundaries and defy restrictive cultural norms. Commonwealth Stories is a laudable production, brought to you by Birmingham Live. The Commonwealth Stories podcast is available on all your favourite platforms. To keep up to date with the series and hear the latest episodes, make sure to follow and subscribe. To find out more about the upcoming Commonwealth Games, and to discover more about the guests who are featured on this episode, make sure to head over to the Birmingham Live website. This is Commonwealth Stories by Birmingham Live.